to hour two of the program. It is Sportsnet Today coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Prack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. Quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Shoot us a text at 960-960. Hour one is in the books. The busy hour one. Andy McNamara joined us off the top for another edition of Ask Andy. If you missed any of the fantasy football advice from our fantasy football guru, you can catch up on that chat. We also chatted with Jeremy Rutherford. Recovers the St. Louis Blues for the Athletic after yesterday's announcement of Braden Shen as the 24th captain in Blues history. Some interesting Flames connections there uh, with the Blues and with Braden Shen uh, from what he had to say in Jeremy's latest article. So make sure you check that out on the Hour One podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. The pods go up minutes after every hour finishes. Or whenever Cam actually decides to podcast them. We're talking minutes, buddy. I've gotten down to six minutes. Six minute uploads after a show's done. Really? Really? Really. Yeah. On a good day, six minutes. On a bad day, maybe ten. But what if you only have a good day like once a month? Well, then you're getting ten, maybe fifteen minutes on a really bad day. People deserve better. Still fifteen minutes after what the show. What will goes Dylan up? do? What about Wedley? They're all listening live. What about Matt and Cochran? They're all live listeners. But they, what if they miss something? What if they just jump out and they might have missed something? Well, then it'll be ready to go wait at the worst. 10 minutes? At the worst, 10, 15 minutes. Taylor, this is unbelievable. Just unacceptable. You're over there. Whip him into shape. He's too far. <laughs> Throw his vape at him. Like three meters away from him. Take one of his vapes. Which you don't like anyways. Just chuck it at him. I can't see anything. There's a wall between us. I don't throw things. I'm not violent like the rest of you. We throw things at each other out of love. Is that what it is? It's yeah, sure. All right, that's what I'll tell HR. That'll work. That they'll be convinced. Staplers. Yep. Pens. Books. I haven't thrown a book yet. I have not <laughs> thrown a book. No, but uh, I, I think the day will come. I'll do something maybe like a beyond stupid or ask some questions. Canister one of the books at me. No, you almost throw a book at Taylor. There's there's a there's Dude. a line between almost throwing something and threatening to throw something. Maybe I've threatened to throw it, uh, but again, it's out of uh, good faith and kindness and our our dear friendship. I told you 20 minutes ago that I don't think we can be friends. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Because I said, she's like, if you could buy a jersey and it had to be a goalie jersey, what jersey would it be? And I'm like, either Kipper or Vasilevsky. And she's like, I don't think we can be friends anymore. With no explanation past that. I'm like, come on. I think you know the mistake you made. I think we need to dissect Cam's teams that he cheers for. Because yeah, he cheers for the Flames. Questionable. The choices. Leafs. Does he cheer for the Flames? I have no idea. He just And sort of- the Lightning. And that's I don't see the problem absurd here. to me. I don't see the problem here. How would you have chosen any of those teams other than Calgary? I like the football I've one, told which you again the Leafs I wasn't story. here for. I told you the Leafs story. I didn't listen. 
clearly. Wow. See, there's the issue here. You're not listening when I tell you my stories about my my Leafs selection. Because I there was a jersey at West Edmonton Mall, and I think it was a Jersey City. It was a blank Leafs away jersey. They had on sale for 30 bucks. I was like 14. I was like, I can get a jersey for 30 bucks. Done. And then, yeah, it was a lot of pain after that. So you became a Leafs fan yep. simply because it was the cheapest jersey it was a, you've come across. Yeah, basically. Not saying it was a smart decision or that it had to make sense. I'm just saying that's how it happened. I just, I love, <laughs> you know, Taylor, don't you just love like those classic stories of, of falling in love with a team or a player and that sort of starting your fandom for decades? Those are my favorite stories. I love any time hearing about how somebody became a Blue Jays fan or whatever team you are. I I genuinely love those stories. And then there's Cam's, and it's just the worst. So and it's just it's just the most so arbitrary. <laughs> it's just it's it's really because you're oh cheap. Oh my goodness! It, you is. became a Leafs fan because I'm because cheap. you're cheap and it was on the but sale rack. Why why the Lightning? I mean, they're just they're good. They were. Oh, Very so you're a good. bandwagon fan. Well, like, I, I enjoy, um, like, Winners? in basketball. Is that what you're going to say? Yes. Winners? Yeah. Like, in basketball, I'm a big Spurs guy because of Greg Popovich and the system and the winning culture that they employed. I saw some How of that. How many LeBron Tampa. James jerseys do you own? Zero. I have a DeMar DeRozan jersey. I have a Chris Stapps Porzingis jersey for some reason. And a Kyle Lowry jersey. Weirdest jerseys ever. <laughs> Just... Rosen and Lowry, not weird. Porzingis, that's a little weird. Let me guess. It was I think on Cam sale. needs to go through some hardships. The Porzingis one was on sale. Yeah, stunning. The Rosen one I bought it's full price. Literally, your fandom can be bought. <laughs> the Rosen one I got when, possible. when the Raptors came here, they played in the Saddle Dome. That's where I got that jersey. And then the Lowry one I just picked up <laughs> somewhere. I think during the playoff run. This text says at nine six zero nine six zero. My brother became a Sharks fan. Because he thought sharks were cool as a kid. Yes. That is a good reason to be a fan of a team. Not you, because you found a $30 yeah. jersey not, yeah, not because. Jersey City. <laughs> sharks are cool. I'm sure there are more Cam. questionable reasons yeah, to be a fan of a, a team. That's a better reason than what Cam came up with. <laughs> I just couldn't couldn't possibly come up with a $100 or an no. actual reason to like sports. No. If this was just the cheapest possible option, so... <laughs> Don't ever That's tell you that going with. Cam's not passionate about sports. Passionate about spending as least amount of money as possible. Yeah, saving a good buck. Uh, I don't know where your CFL fandom lies, but I have a feeling it'll be whatever cheap jersey you find next. I like the stamps. Um, well, perhaps you can head to the stamp store and see what kind of deals they've got for you. Um, maybe wear some pink on Saturday as well. It's the pink power game. Oh, I like it. Wearing off uh, after their bye week. This is one of the big events on the Stampeders calendar. Pink Power presented by Mayfair Diagnostics. Help raise awareness and funds for the battle against women's cancers. They've got some limited edition pink merchandise, ball caps, sunglasses, uh, all with the Stampeders logo. You can go and purchase them outside of all the gates at the Stamp Store and at Stamps House from noon until kickoff. While supplies last, items on sale for $20 each with proceeds going to Wellspring, Alberta, a not-for-profit organization consisting of a network of community-based centers offering cancer support programs 
and services. This ahead of the Stampeders and the Alouettes matchup on Saturday. It's a 2 p.m. kickoff. Back at practice today for the Stampeders. Just today's Stamps report with the latest on the uh, Stamps looking to get back in the win column against the Alouettes. Uh, here's your Stamps report on Wednesday from Matt Rose. This, this is the Stamps Report with Matty Rose. The Calgary Stampeders held a closed practice Wednesday as they get set for the Alouettes Saturday. Closed practice, meaning we'll get a little bit more information on who participated and how much they did when the team sends out their league-mandated injury report this afternoon. Doesn't mean that we can't ask. Dave Dickinson said this when we asked if anybody had taken any steps further after Wednesday's practice. A couple guys did some things early and then didn't seem to be able to finish, so um, we'll see. It's, uh, it is harder, especially in the older guys, when it's colder weather. And it's, some of it's just joint pain, that sort of stuff. Um, but you're going to have to play in this, so we have to be ready to go. Uh, we're, we're trying to, like I say, get the best, best roster we can to win a game. So that makes me wonder about running back Kadeem Carey and linebacker Darius Williams. Both were limited Tuesday with ankle and shoulder problems, respectively. Defensive back Shaq Richardson and Michael Griffin did not practice with knee injuries on Tuesday. Another couple names that maybe moved to limited, but we'll have to wait and see. The team was also missing Tommy Lee Lewis and Trey Roberson for the first practice back from the bye on Tuesday. They were away for non-injury reasons. Dave Dickinson updated their status too. Tommy got back into town and uh, Trey, we're just working through some things. So, uh, I mean, we're going to put our best roster on the field and, um, we want to do that. Uh, we're also in the process of making sure that as a team we get better and find the right combination to win. So receiver Tommy Lee Lewis is back. We'll wait to see if defensive back Trey Roberson will be available for Saturday. Wanted to mention an update from the head coach on receiver Jalen Philpot as well. He was the team's first-round pick back in 2022, had a good rookie season, but suffered a hamstring injury training back in March, had surgery for it in April. Dave Dickinson had this to say as far as the second-year Canadian receiver's rehab process. Well, he is working hard, um, so I guess... I guess it'd be a, it would be a, a pleasant surprise if I could get any of these guys in the back half of the season to give us a, give us a lift. Um, do think he's getting closer, but ultimately I'm not sure. Uh, he's he did have surgery, and it just doesn't seem like he's quite to where he needs to. But we're down a few receivers as it is. We uh, we do need some reinforcements, and be great to have him back. Would be great to see Phil Potts return, although you have to wonder about the timing. Only six more weeks left in the regular season. Same questions for first-year receiver Clark Barnes. He's also on the six-game injured list, but we have seen him around the facility a little bit of late. One of the players that has plenty of time playing as a result of those two injuries, Phil Potts in particular as an outside guy, is Luther Hakunavanu. Has started the majority of games as the outside Canadian receiver in this, his third season in the league. Couple of touchdowns Touchdowns on the year. He's had a couple of big games using that big frame of his, but he also had a couple of drops earlier in the season and some costly ones. But he has persevered and looks solid lately. Always one of the more energetic guys on the practice field. Had a chance to catch up with the big Canadian receiver. Here with uh, Luther Akunavanu in a windy McMahon Stadium. Uh, first off, I guess, how was the bye week for you? Pretty good. Uh, me and uh, Trey Dukes went to Vancouver for a little bit. I also got some time to see my family in Edmonton. So, uh, Definitely uh, well needed after the 10-game streak, I guess, so good to be back, uh, but definitely needed. 
couple of games here that are really big for you guys. Still got a push to make here. Can you just tell us about what the preparation has been like for the Alouettes coming into McMahon this weekend? Yeah, I, uh, I think the major, the biggest things uh, are things we can control. So, I mean, just uh, like Coach said, the selfish penalties or the penalties in general that uh, we kind of self-inflict on ourselves and then just executing again at the end of the day because we make plays and kind of shoot ourselves in the foot by the penalties. So, uh, just... Eliminating, eliminating that uh, will definitely help out. And again, just executing uh, and staying in the game, to be honest. Uh, you know what I mean? Things will go our way and things won't, but we've been in a lot of close games um, and that should help us. So as long as we execute and uh, keep playing, we'll be all right. How have you felt about your year personally? Dealt with a little bit of injury, but been here for another year and taking steps. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's good things on both, you know what I mean? Uh, personally, I think uh, there's p times where I could have done a little better, uh, you know what I mean? Uncorrect characteristic drops here and there and just assignment errors here and there. But uh, I mean, overall, I can't complain. Uh, just try to um, take advantage of opportunities that come to me. Uh, we still got, you know what I mean? A couple games left and uh, stride into the playoffs. And right now what matters is we win. So all that other personal stuff is whatever. So as long as we get the wins, that's what matters. Tell me a little bit about this receiver room. You guys have dealt with injuries all year. One of the guys that's come in is Mark and Michelle. You guys seem to have uh, quite a little connection there. Can yes. you tell me a little bit about you and Mark? Yeah, uh, I'll say just even him coming in, uh, that was one of my guys that we got along very easily. And I'll say just even the receiving room uh, alone, we're a very close group. Uh, you know what I mean? We're, we like to just have fun. Uh, you know what I mean? We got each other's backs in that, in that aspect. And I think that just helps us in the long run uh, because we kind of understand that anyone can make plays and we're here for it. And, uh, you know, we encourage each other and here, compete with each other here and there. So uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing with us uh, that helps us as a unit. Because that way we, you know, I mean, we're easy to talk to each other or mm -hmm. get advice and uh, corrections, uh, just because we're that close with each other. So that goes a long way. Couple of games, then another bye. Best of luck, man. Thank you. Thank you. Expecting Luther Hakunavanu to be a mainstay on the roster for the rest of the season and perhaps moving forward. That Canadian receiver contingent is full of good young talent. No time like the present to prove that he can be one of the key guys as they move forward, not only this season but into future years. The opponent this week is the Montreal Alouettes, losers of four games in a row to seemingly hand the Argos top spot in the Eastern Division. It has also brought Hamilton back into the race for second, both teams six and seven as we get ready for week 16. Crossover unlikely to be in play because a West team would have to pass an East team outright, but Calgary does play Hamilton and Montreal before the season's end, before their next bye, in fact. Over the next couple of weeks, a couple of wins could go a very long way. Dave Dickinson joined George Russick and I on the big show in the morning for his usual Wednesday chat. He talked about the challenge that Montreal poses. Yeah, they've got, you know, probably, uh, I guess, some of the biggest guys uh, on, as far as a, a roster. They've got size and speed, um, talented group. Like us, you know, at times, uh, you know, I've lost a lot of close games and you, they probably feel like if I had a play here or a play there, we win that game. Their last game against Toronto, they definitely got to feel that way. Um, it does come down to, yeah, a lot of times making that one or two plays, um, which quarterback plays better, uh, who wins the turnover battle. And then lately, as you're seeing in the league, it's who can keep their poise. Mm. Um, you know, when things are going kind of getting chippy, 
which team can keep their poise and, and stay out of the penalty box. So those are all things we, we, we brought to the forefront in our team, and I'm sure they have as well. The Alouette's offense is led by Cody Fajardo, the former Rough Rider, expecting William Stanback to return as their starting running back after he missed last week with a hand injury. He was a full participant in Tuesday's practice. Austin Mack has quickly turned into one of the top receivers in the entire league. The solid offense creating pressure on Fajardo, getting a couple of hits early. Getting strong play from that front six or seven guys, that could be a real problem for Montreal if Calgary can capitalize. Always is the key. I mean, uh, every every time, you know, a lot, I wouldn't say every time, but a good chunk of the times when your back end plays really well, it's because there's pressure and the front seven allowed you to get into second and longs. You know, we didn't stop to run very well last game, so that's going to be a challenge. Mm. They bring a lot of big people packages in, meaning extra offensive linemen, extra fullbacks, and they just try to mash it up in there. You give everyone inside, though, that's when they take their shots outside. So it's a it's a give-and-take type of game. you got to make sure everybody's on, on point doing their job, and you got to win your majority of your one-on-one battles. The big thing for us, and we did a good job of this last game, is we've got to win the turnover battle and own the ball, and our defense did step up. We just took some costly, costly penalties, and we just didn't make the plays in the last uh, 36 seconds. Offensively, Dave Dickinson is looking for the same things that he has been looking for all season long with this offense. The ability to not just get down the field, but to get the ball into the end zone and prevent catastrophic turnovers. This Montreal defense, statistically speaking, they rank between third and fifth in almost every single defensive category, except for sacks, where they're last in the league with only 21 got to be able to put up some points against this group if you're going to help out the Stampeders defense. Well, the main thing is we've got to score touchdowns and not yeah. settle for field goals. We we kicked six last time. I mean, it wasn't that we didn't have move the ball. They're, uh, I think they're they're an aggressive defense that uh, is well coached, tackle well. They got size, they got speed, and they also have guys uh, make plays on the ball. So uh, you know, a lot of things there are good there. They they probably are you know uh, I guess a when you say in the middle of the pack, when I look at him, it's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a, a very good front. I'm seeing a physical linebacking court. It just got better. Mm. And Sankey on that list. And then the DB-wise, I think uh, that's where they've had, to, like us, the majority of their injuries. And they're starting to get everybody back healthy now. And I think they feel good about their team. One of the key guys for this Montreal defense has quickly become Sean Lemon, the former Stampeder. He has played in eight of the Alouette's 13 games and has five of the team's 21 sacks in that span. His first game for Montreal was the last time these two played, a tight defeat out in Montreal. Just one tackle for the Lemonator back in that Week 8 setback. But Dave Dickinson talked about the veteran defensive end after practice Wednesday. Well, he played against us last time, and he's, he's done what he does. Uh, like He's made the impact plays, comes off the edge. I think he's playing the run quite well. So um, They've got a great front, though. They've, and Sean's a good player, but they've got some other guys there, too, that uh, going to give our offensive line uh, uh, all they can handle. Our, our goal is to keep the quarterback upright and try to control the line of scrimmage. Another big game coming up for the Stampeders. Saturday, 2 o'clock start. Sean Lemon and the Alouettes come to town looking to break their four-game losing streak. The Stampeders look to get back in the win column after losing to the Elks prior to their most recent bye week. Looks like it's going to be excellent weather for Saturday's game as well. Right in the low 20s there. Perfect football weather. Practice Thursday, depth charts Friday, as well as a walkthrough 2 p.m. Saturday kickoff. With your Stamps Report, I'm Matt Rose. Thank you, Matty. Appreciate that as always, pal. CFL Week 16 action kicks off on Friday with the doubleheader with the Riders in Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. That's a 5 o'clock kickoff. 
followed by the BC Lions in Edmonton to take on the 4-10 and 10 Elks. They'll kick off at 7.30 on Friday. Stamps and Owls, like Maddie said, 2 p.m. kickoff on Saturday afternoon at McMahon Stadium, followed up by a battle of Ontario between the Ticats and the Toronto Argonauts at 5 p.m. We'll get a couple more Stamps reports from Maddie throughout the week as we get closer to a game day on Saturday with the Stamps and the Montreal Alouettes. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Training camp rosters are out for the Calgary Flames ahead of their first on-ice session tomorrow. What do we read into the three groups that'll take the ice for the beginning of Flames training camp? We'll dive into that next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This Wednesday, the unofficial beginning of training camp for the Calgary Flames. Fitness testing underway. And then tomorrow, Thursday morning, at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, the first of three groups will hit the ice for the first training camp under Ryan Huska with preseason action beginning on Sunday when the Vancouver Canucks visit the Flames. All the action right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor in the other room. Cam making excuses for late podcast as usual. No such thing. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and as you take a look at the groups that we'll see beginning tomorrow on the ice, they're split into three. Team Vernon, Team Aginla, and Team McDonald. Obviously, after three legends of the Calgary Flames, and an interesting separation for both groups that you may or may not read into. It'll be interesting to hear more from head coach Ryan Huska starting tomorrow when we get a chance to ask him about his process for training camp. But it certainly looks like you're going to start to see the process of, of players beginning to, to see what kind of lines they're going to be on, who could they could potentially start the season out with. Team McDonald is a pretty young group. Uh, guys that are, you know, camp invitees, a couple of the Calgary hitmen, Oliver Talk and Tyson Galloway are part of that group. Um, not to say that anybody can't make an impression in camp, but it feels like a fairly young group that will be competing more for AHL jobs or to make a, a future impression on the team. Team Vernon and Team McGinley are the two that you're going to focus on. We'll focus on Team Vernon specifically because I think there's an interesting makeup of a couple of different players that could make up your first line if you're the Calgary Flames. In Team Vernon are Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto. And going back to last year, the conversation was, who plays with Jonathan Huberto? And for Daryl Sutter at, at training camp, the question was, was figuring out whether Jonathan Huberto was a Lindholm guy or a Kadri guy or even a Backlund guy because you had three strong centers and finding where Jonathan fit best was going to be important. I don't know if we ever did find that ideal spot for Jonathan Huberto last year, but I do know that the combination with Elias Lindholm is one that we didn't see enough of last season, and one that I think we're going to see right off the bat at training camp tomorrow. I think for sure we're going to see a Flames number one line that consists of 
Lindholm at the center ice position, Huberto on the left, and then player X on the right. And there's a couple of interesting names that could fit that bill in Team Vernon specifically. One guy that we'll look at for sure is a newcomer that we're all eager to get our eyes on. Number 17, going to look a little bit different this year. It's not Milan Lucic, it's Yegor Sharangovich coming over in that trade for Tyler Toffoli. What we know about him as a youngster who's hit 20 goals in this league, lost some opportunity in New Jersey last year with Timo Meyer coming over, but has a lethal shot, adds some speed, adds some versatility to the lineup, and could be the beneficiary of a great playmaker and passer like Jonathan Huberto. So Sharon Govich definitely feels like an option to be there as well. You also in this group have Matt Coronado. Now we've talked a lot about Matt Coronado the last couple of weeks going into prospects camp, going into the young stars classic in Penticton because Matt Coronado possesses something that not many on this team have, and that's a right shot from the winger position. And it's a good one at that. So take everything I said about Sharon Govich and his finishing ability, and maybe even add on a bit for Matt Coronado. Now that would be quite the spot to start the year if you're Matt Coronado. We're talking about him in the sense of trying to make the team. I think it would surprise a lot of people if he was put in such a prominent position to start training camp, but there's certainly a path there knowing that the organization lacks a lot of what Matt brings with that sort of lethal finish with that right hand shot. So much of what Matt brings, this team doesn't have in spades. And if Matt Coronado's ready for the challenge and ready to step up, thanks to some NHL experience last year, thanks to a good summer and a good off season here ahead of training camp, then for sure you'll be given an opportunity. He's going to have to earn it. Craig Conroy has made that very clear that the youngsters will be given a chance, but it's not being handed a spot, let alone a, a premium spot alongside two very well-established NHLers. But I think it's an option. I think it's something that we might see Ryan Husk and the coaching staff play around with a bit. And then there's some other interesting names. Is Jacob Pelche? An option now. Jacob Pelche is listed as a left winger with this group right now, but go back to last year. I don't know that anybody had the chemistry with a Jonathan Huberto like Jacob Pelche did. Talked about you know both of them with their French backgrounds, really being able to connect. Huberto taking Pelche under his wing and them having a very solid connection. Maybe there's an opportunity for a youngster right there that we haven't talked as much about in in Jacob Peltier to get an opportunity there. I think for sure we're going to see the very early makings of a first line when uh, the Vernon group hits the ice. The Vernon group, by the way, if you don't have the list in front of you, consists of Huberto, Hunt, Sharon Govich, Rooney, Peltier, Lindholm, Coronado, Hanzik, Zeri, Dewar, Pedersen, Schwint, and Parker Bell. So with all due respect to, to Sam Hanzik and Connor Zeri, I don't think they're in the conversation as much as the other guys I've mentioned as far as that first line goes. But it really, it could be as soon as 9 a.m. tomorrow when that first group hits the ice. 
if we could get an indication as to who Ryan Huska thinks is going to be the best fit on that line. There really isn't Backlund and Kadri find themselves in a separate group. So to me, it's pretty clear that Huberto to start training camp is going to be Lindholm's winger. That's guaranteed. Who the right winger is, still a question mark. I'm very, very curious how this starts off heading into training camp tomorrow. Also interesting to note on the D side of things, first group is Rasmus Anderson with Nikita Zadorov, Mackenzie Wieger, Noah Hannafin, and the second group, Tanev, Dennis Gilbert, Oliver Shillington, Jordan Osterley, Etienne Moran, some familiar names in that one. But that gives me an early indication, and again, these are just thought processes going through seeing the groups. We'll have to wait until tomorrow, and even then, these will evolve through training camp. But that early indication tells me that Oliver Shillington, if I was to guess, based on everything that we see here, is going to be at least to start training camp paired up with his old buddy Chris Tanev. So will we see the group go Anderson, Uyghur, Hannafin with Zadorov, and then perhaps Oliver Shillington back with Chris Tanev? That, to me, is going to be a conversation to watch because we've all wondered, and we have to see, it'll be our first chance to see Oliver Shillington in person. It's been a very long time. Very happy to see that Oliver's back with the group and, and ready to go. But where he fits in this decor is still really interesting. And there was the conversation of, you know, where do you start him? Do you start him lower down in the lineup, ease him back into the the kind of playing position and playing time that he was used to? And I've been of the belief since this, since we heard that Oliver was going to be back, that I think it makes the most sense to put him back with Chris Tanner for a number of reasons. And one, it's where he had his most success as an NHLer. That's where he really peaked and was able to show us his full skill, uh, his full skill range, that skating ability, that offensive instinct, all of that stuff is so much easier when you have a guy like Chris Tanev. And I mean, I can't think of in, in our time watching Chris here in Calgary, with all due respect to, to Rasmus and to everybody else. Chris Tanev just seems like a guy that makes life easy for his D partner. And if that's not exactly what Oliver needs to start off his return to the NHL, I don't know what it is. I think you need as simple as it gets to to get back up to the NHL pace, the NHL speed of things. If you're Oliver Shillington. And to me, that just, that's Chris Tanev. And you don't have to vary far off of what, Oliver's last NHL experience was because that's the guy he was paired up with. So I'll be curious to see if that's where the Flames coaching staff sees things. Again, makes sense to me, might not make sense to to Ryan Huska and Mark Savard and the rest of the group. And that's what, you know, tomorrow really begins. And we can start having these real conversations. And I'm curious how many new, because there's not a lot of new players here, right? We're talking about Sharon Govich coming in. We're talking about some younger players having more prominent roles. The names haven't changed all that much. But will the coaching staff use this as an opportunity to try combinations that we didn't see a lot of? We know Backlund and Coleman 
make a very good forward pairing. Maybe they try Coleman with Kadri this year. Maybe a guy like Adam Rzichka gets an opportunity farther up the lineup than we saw. Maybe there's an opportunity for Andrew Mangiapane, who's you know coming off of a year where he was hurt for most of the year, to, to try new combinations because, again, the names and the numbers haven't changed nearly as much as we thought they were going to from the Calgary Flames' perspective. But how they're deployed and who they're deployed with, to me, is going to be the number one question that I'm curious. And it all starts tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., first session at the Scotiabank Sound. I'm followed up by practices at 11 and 1.30. And again, we're all leading up to Saturday night at the Scotiabank Sound. Get your tickets. Get out and see the Calgary Flames in the preseason. Uh, four chances to see the Flames before the regular season starts. We'll have the broadcast here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan with Derek Wills and new radio color analyst Megan Mickelson on the call. And you know our guy Pat Steinberg's got you locked down for pregame intermissions. We'll get back to it uh, in a full swing of things on Sunday night at the Scotiabank Sound. Our first chance to see this group in-game action. So we'll see what practice leads up to uh, heading to our first game on Sunday. We won't have, we'll have a couple of days this week to see how things work out. We'll see what kind of group gets deployed. They do have to head to a split squad game in Seattle the next night. So we back-to-back nights at the Scotiabank Sandaldome, but half the group going to have to travel to Seattle for a split squad affair. So we'll see what kind of lines and pairings uh, that we get through the week and what leads into uh, this weekend as well. Did want to play this for you as well, sticking with hockey, but a story we touched on a bit earlier in the show. Uh, Steven Stamkos at training camp for the Tampa Bay Lightning showed up ready to go another year, uh, hopefully of contending for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's on the last year of his contract and uh, asked about that by the media today, how he feels about heading into a season where he's got just the one year left on his deal and how contract negotiations went during the summer. And uh, he was pretty to the point about his feelings about uh, how and uh, how extension hasn't exactly uh, gone far. Extension talks with the Danby Lightning haven't gone far uh, so far. Yeah, no, to, to be honest, um, I've been disappointed in, in the lack of, of talk in that regard. So, it was something that I expressed at the end of last year that I wanted to get something done before training camp started. Um, there haven't been any conversations. So. Are you willing to talk during the season or wait till after the season? I've, I'm ready whenever. So um, I guess that was something that uh, that I didn't see, see coming, but um, it is what it is. Lightning captain Steven Stamkos. Pretty to the point there, Cam. It is what it is. Julian Brisewaugh, GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, said, yeah, we hope he's around for the long term. We hope he's a Lightning. But said that they weren't going to have money, um, any contract extension talks midseason. Bit surprising for Tampa Bay to take such a hard line, it appears, with their captain, knowing how many long... And I'm not saying that you at 33-34 that you line up Steven Stamkos on a long-term deal. But clearly a lot of people, including Steven Stamkos, were a little bit surprised that there hasn't been any contact. They haven't gone down that road. He said right in that clip, he wanted not just to have contract negotiations underway. 
He was hoping to have it settled by training camp. Well, that certainly hasn't happened. And now you're going to run the entire year with that question looming. And look, Tampa Bay just might not have the kind of money to stick around for a guy like Steven Stamkos. Victor Hedman's due up in two years. But I went through the list earlier. Whether it's Point or Sorelli, Paul, uh, Vasilevsky, Cam's favorite goaltender, apparently. Um, He's up there. (laughs) All these guys are signed to long-term contracts uh, going forward for Tampa Bay. There's a lot of money committed. And it just feels like, I mean, Steve Stamkos was at 106 points last year. He was just, or two years ago, he was just over point a game two, uh, last season. Like, it's not like the guy's suddenly dropped off a cliff when it comes to production. Um, I'm, I'm surprised the Tampa Bay Lightning have taken such a hard stance with Steven Stamkos. We'll see. It'll be something to watch for uh, during the season if that narrative seems to change, but a pretty negative way for the Tampa Bay Lightning to start off training camp. Uh, I did want to talk some baseball as well. Blue Jays in action. Coming off a big win against the Yankees last night. Going to be another 505 first pitch. Kevin Gosman gets the start for the Blue Jays. 11-9 on the season. 3.40 ERA. 222 strikeouts. Michael King will go for the Yankees. He's 4-6 with a 2.77 ERA. Over 87 innings pitched this year. Good start to the series for the Jays. They'll line up with George Springer uh, in right field and leading off. Followed up by Bo Bichette. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will DH once again. Kevin Biggio bats fourth and plays second base tonight. Matt Chapman at third base. Spencer Horwitz will go at first base and bat sixth. Followed up by Alejandro Kirk, Dalton Varsho, and Kevin Kiermaier. So no David Schneider in the lineup for the Jays tonight. Spencer Horwitz goes at first base with Vladdy back at DH. And we did have some Jays roster moves a little bit earlier today as well. Uh, Cam Eden has been selected to the Major League roster. He'll be active for tonight. Ernie Clement option to AAA Buffalo. Mason McCoy designated for assignment uh cam eden outfielder is uh a speed demon on the bases which is something that uh you'll hopefully see john schneider deploy for the blue jays uh if need be that's uh eden's real claim to fame in the blue jays system is his ability to steal bases he's got a lot of good speed hopefully they can bring that uh, to the table if need be but uh there's an option off the jays bench for a little bit of speed as, uh, again, David Schneider gets the night off. Vladdy's still DHing and batting third. And uh, Taylor's favorite player of all time, Kevin Biggio, still batting fourth. But he moves from first base to second base tonight. What's, uh, what's your guess on the Kevin Biggio stat line tonight, Taylor? You're pretty accurate with these. Let's get this in stone here. Hang on. Um, in stone? Did Cam just say in stone? What are we, in the ice age? <laughs> yeah. Gonna, Fred Flintstones type beat. <laughs> Your Microsoft computer writes things down in stone cam. Are you on Windows ninety four? I'm on my tablet. I'm on my um. Oh, what's the word? Oh, I can't. Do we need to now. get you a hammer and chisel? Yeah. <laughs> let's 
All right, everyone, let's write this down in stone. All right, all right, all right. Taylor, what's uh, what's with the Kevin Biggio stat line tonight? He's hitting two thirty-six, nine home runs on the year, thirty-five RBIs. What's it look like for Kevin tonight? Well, you know he's going to get a walk because that's just one of the guarantees in life. Okay. Going to get a hit and is going to score a couple runs. Really? Yep. He's going to get a hit. He's not going to get hit by a pitch. He's going to... I feel like that would... Wouldn't that be included in a walk? I don't know. You're the one telling me. Is his walk because he's going to earn it, or is it just going to be... just going to get plunked? He always earns his walks. Okay, if you say so. You say a couple runs. What are we? What are we looking at here? What's the? What's the over under here? Give me a minute. <laughs> just, just so we can have it uh, in audio recording form and not stone. Well, Taylor does that. What is she doing? She's, I think she's googling things. I don't know. What are you doing? I'm looking up stats. We're never going to do this segment again. Oh, my God. Never going to have time for this. This guy stinks. Well, that's rude. That's harsh. That's rude. (laughs) Very harsh, Cam. I'm so sorry. Trying to get a gauge on Kevin Bijou versus Michael King. Oh, my. That's what you're looking up? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I can't. Never, I thought this would go so much smoother. So much faster. Well, I already gave so it to you less. and Cam. Cam's Dead air. <laughs> well, you could have just said like two. Two ones. One and a half. Couple means two. One and a half. Just say one and a half. So we can get this no, over just with. Needs, you just need to give how many runs is he going to score? A couple means two. Okay. Two. Two. Write it in. Not stone. So a walk, a hit, and two runs. Yep. Yes? Yep. Good. Yep. You're going to stick by that? Yep. The good news is that we won't be able to play this tomorrow because it's wound up being 22 minutes. And we won't have time to cut it it together. I'll cut it up. Maybe that was her grand plan. Just to stall. Stall 22 minutes. Stall long enough so that we don't have to talk about it anymore. I (laughs) I am feeling not appreciated. What do you mean not appreciated? Not I brought I brought you on specifically to give your boy some love. And I thought it was going to go much quicker than this. I said it very quickly and then y'all are asking for some stats. Okay, y'all. So, y'all that's Cam. You don't listen to anything Cam says. This is true. The worst thing you could do is listen to me. Or apparently what I've learned is the worst thing I can do is listen to Logan cuz he apparently doesn't tell the truth. I have no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, if you're tuning in on the Jays tonight, 505 first pitch, listen to it right here on Sportsnet 960 or on the Sportsnet television network. Kevin Biggio, a hit, a walk, and two runs scored. That's a guarantee from Taylor Dingman. Find her on social media and send the complaints to her when that doesn't happen. Fair? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I would wait for an answer from Taylor, but it's going to be 10 minutes. I am not (laughs) in this baseball diamond. 
I do not control Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio does what Kevin Biggio wants. Which is usually not much. Excuse me? Uh, that's going to do it for the program today. <laughs> Enjoy Jay's baseball later. See if Taylor's prediction comes true. We'll we recap will be it tomorrow. Up and at them early tomorrow at the Scotiabank Center. Don't bring you coverage of day one. On ice training camp begins 9 a.m. Well, I say it like that. 9 a.m. Team Aginla hits the ice. And uh, we're just days away from our first NHL preseason game. So lots of Flames training camp chatter coming your way the rest of the week. Thank you to Andy McNamara and Jeremy Rutherford for jumping on with us today. Thanks to Matt Rose for the Stamps Report. Remind you can find uh, any of the shows wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Cam says they go up anywhere between 5 and 10 minutes after the hour finishes. Uh, depending on how fast he decides to work. That's right. We'll be coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Thanks to Cam and Taylor for their outstanding work. As always, we'll be back tomorrow. Training camp talk. Adnan Virk's going to join us on a Thursday, so lots to get to. Keep it locked right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.